Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Voices for Change 2.0, the mental health podcast that's changing the discussion one voice at a time. Featuring guests that will help end the stigma and keep talking mental health. And now, here are your hosts, Rebecca and Joe Lombardo. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Voices for Change 2.0. Yes, welcome to Voices for Change 2.0 on Snowmageddon 2020. (laughs) (sighs) The Snowmageddon that we were supposed to have last week that everybody laughed at. Yeah. Because it was barely even half an inch on the ground yeah. is is now here in full force and, and it's keep, cold. And keeping me from seeing Star Wars. Damn you, Mr. <laughs> Frost. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crap. I really don't want to go anywhere. Stupid snow miser. <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Uh, yeah, maybe tomorrow. So um I uh, I, I still miss the Scooby Doo drums. I don't even know what you're talking about when you say that I I'll have to find a clip of our of our old one and, and play it for you because okay. it's just all I hear is Scooby Doo drums. But but I will say I like that the new music rocks out a lot more hardcore. Yeah, and she sounds like she's saying her last name more better, you know, for the way it's supposed to sound than than the other guy. Yeah, he was kind of lum Lombardo like L U M. Yeah, this chick sounds like she's saying it right yeah so. she yeah i i like how she announces everything really clearly too so mm-hmm. big kudos to the to the lady that we hired yes thank <laughs> you and uh but yeah our our, our new music rocks yeah so i like it i, I bop my head that's <laughs> what i do it's good time so football football Let's talk a little bit about football well wait a minute wait a minute before we go any further we have to clarify because our guest today is from the UK. Yes, so we're talking about American, American football. football. Yes, <laughs> not not as we affectionately call, affectionately call it on the side of the pond, soccer. soccer. Yeah, we're talking about American football. American football. football. So, so there's two games tomorrow, and then we find out who's going to the Super Bowl, eh? Yeah. Let's go Chiefs. Go Chiefs, and go Packers. Yeah, well, go Packers until they meet the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Funny side note with us uh, kind of suddenly rallying behind the Chiefs is we found out over the last month that the UK's own Henry Cavill, that's right, the Man of Steel, the Witcher, is also a Chiefs fan. No kidding. Yes. and Love him. Here's his rationale for it. And it actually ties into his role as Superman. Um, he figures, well, Superman is from Smallville, Kansas. Clark Kent would have rooted for the Chiefs. Okay. So he adopted the Chiefs as his American football team, which hey, I think is whatever works. I think it's awesome. I think yeah. it's some of the coolest rationale I've ever heard for being a fan of a team. Yeah. So, we don't have very cool cool reasons for being fans of the Lions, that's for sure. We live in Detroit. It's a <laughs> it's a birthright. <laughs> You can tell I'm thrilled by that. It's abysmal is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. We still love you, Lions. Yeah. Just, just from afar. Yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, so it's snowmageddon outside. Uh, it's keeping me from doing stuff today. And, and while I relish the thought of being able to, to just chill out and not have to worry, sorry about that, um, about doing anything, I uh, I was kind of hoping to do stuff today. You know, yeah. I was looking forward to it all week. So, yeah, it's my fault. I didn't let you go to the movie by yourself on Tuesday. Nope, you didn't. <laughs> I had the opportunity. I no, could have. That's all right. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Even if we have to go to see it at the two dollars show, we'll we'll see it. All right. So so buying it when it hits streaming, it is, eh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Let's let's get on with the show, there, all baby. Righty. So our our guest today is a very special guest. We're very excited to talk to her. I have been fo- following her on social media for quite some time, and she is an author, she's an advocate, and she's a survivor. And in addition, she's a powerful voice for victims of CSA. So we're really grateful to have her on the show today. So please, everybody, welcome Haley McGregor. Yay! Yes. 
Hey, hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Uh, thanks for. Uh, it wouldn't be getting up early for you. It'd be stopping no, everything. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good afternoon from England. Yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in England are you? Uh, Manchester, north of England. Oh, cool. Manchester Man- United fan? No, I'm not. I'm actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that's quite a contention in this household. But I'm glad you know. <laughs> I'm glad that you know some of our, um, I'll say it correctly for you, uh, some of our soccer teams. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, we are, we are, uh, we're familiar. We don't necessarily watch it, but, you know, we. No, it's the same with me and, and your football. You know, I'm familiar with some, but mm-hmm. but not all. Yeah, you know, like I'm familiar with, with Manchester U. I'm familiar with uh, uh, Liverpool is another okay. one. Uh, Birmingham. Yeah. Do you know Leeds? Yep. Okay. We're kind of um, UK geeks in a way because we've recently, over the last last year and a half or so, have really started following the Queen and the Royal Family and watch watch Victoria. We watch The Crown. We watch all the documentaries related to the the Royal Family. Yep. And we've become sort of little... You know, experts in a, in a way. At, Anglophiles? Is yeah. That a, is that a correct word? I mean, not experts in the way that you would be, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> the way that the people we know would be. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking about it all then with um, Meghan and Harry? You know, I just, I understand both sides of it, but I think that, you know, they just got married. They just had that kid. They, they really... It doesn't surprise me that they want a little bit of a breather. I feel so our media in Great Britain can be awful to our royal family sometimes. I feel sorry for them. I think they need a break. Yeah. It's a lot to to jump into. She's not from there. Yeah. And he was born into it. So, (laughs) you know, he he knew what to expect, but she didn't. Nope. You know, kudos to them for wanting to take a breather, really. Yeah. You know? There's I mean, just so many good things that they do, yeah. you know, on a regular regular basis yeah. with talking about mental health stigma and everything that mm-hmm. I just feel like we should cut them That's some the slack. Yeah. The worst thing I heard was when they removed their wax statues from the museum. Yeah. Because of it. I yeah. couldn't get over that. I know. I know. It only happened. It happened straight away as well. Yeah. yeah. They didn't hold back doing that. So plus I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan. So most oh, of my yeah. yeah, I love me some maiden. Like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> okay. So to to the point that one of one of our annual Christmas traditions is Beck will usually buy me a new Iron Maiden shirt for Christmas. Oh right, you've got a massive collection, have you? I do. Drawers full. I have drawers full of maiden <laughs> we, t-shirts. We've been together 18 years, so. You do the math. <laughs> so, but yeah, I love them. I love Black Sabbath, uh, with and without Ozzy. Motorhead. Uh, Motorhead. That's more of a Motorhead fan than I am. Duran Duran. She's more of a uh, Duran Duran fan than I am, <laughs> but I do like Duran Duran. <laughs> you know, Judas Priest. All right, before you wow. run down the game. Of, of your good, yeah. Of course, I'm. I'm really. I gotta say this, and then we can move on. I have to say this. I'm really, really upset that Judas Priest uh, did not make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. That's that's a travesty, and they were robbed. Yeah, you know, I concur. I agree. You know, that's just that's ridiculous. The band's been around for 50 years. If anybody deserves yeah. to be in there, it's them and Iron Maiden. <laughs> Oh, yes, I agree, Joe. I can hear it straight through the radio. Our our little chatty chat is over now. We've got to get headed into what we're on on the show for. Yes, yes, darling. (laughs) So um, we'd like to start off by asking you a question that we ask pretty much all of our guests. 
And okay. that is, where does your mental health journey begin? Wow. It begins for me uh, six years ago now. I, something, I was, a, I was working, I was, I was happy, I was living my life to what I thought was the fullest. And slowly but surely, darkness started to creep in. I couldn't get up. I couldn't go to work. I was a self-employed actress. If I didn't work, I, I didn't earn any money. That meant that I was on the verge of maybe losing my home, losing relationships, losing friends. But I honestly didn't know what was happening to me. I had no knowledge, no education, uh, and was pretty ignorant to anything mental health-wise about myself or anybody else. And I hit what everybody, uh, I think, who goes through these problems, I hit rock bottom. And I had no choice but to pick up the phone and get to the doctors. And these words came out of his mouth. And that was that I was diagnosed with um, clinical depression, severe anxiety. And it, it floored me because I didn't know how I was one. I didn't know how that could happen. And I had all this shame of not being able to talk about it. So for a year, I lived in complete silence. Nobody knew. Everyone just thought I was being rude, dismissive, lazy, all the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And one day, I had the, the courage, the guts, I don't know, uh, the guts to come out, tell a close friend of mine, tell parents, and slowly but surely, I got a nice positive response, people there for me. But it, it, it's a constant journey for me, even six years down the line, even from that moment of hitting rock bottom, I will still have to go back to my basics of mental health and remind myself constantly that this darkness is something that i am got an illness about, it's not my fault. So even six years down the line, no matter where my journey started, it started there, but it's, there's been so many other things that have come through because I, at that point, didn't realize that I'd been sexually abused as a child. So I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and then through counseling, everything else came out, which then I was diagnosed with PTSD. So mm -hmm. the nightmare. So it's actually, I can say it began six years ago. My journey began six years ago. My full-on advocacy began probably five, maybe four years ago once I was able to survive and, um, you know, not take the drastic action of removing myself from the earth. I decided to keep going, luckily, and keep fighting. And as we know, it's trial and error with medication, with counsellors. And it, so the journey is still very much ongoing for me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're happy that you decided to, you know, do something about it and, and say to yourself, Hey, I need to, I need to act on this. Um, that's, that's a, that's huge, a big, big first step. Yeah. Big Again, first step. It's courage. Thanks, it's thanks to other people that have had that courage. It's thanks to being on social media, seeing, um, people in the media that, you know, that you do look up to being open about their mental health struggles. And if I was seeing these people doing that thinking, okay, it's, the less you feel alone, the more that you can feel that you can speak about this. And the more that, that each day I find that I get less and less shameful about yeah. having this. Because that's what comes with it a lot. It's, it's the shame you feel within yourself. The shame everything mm -hmm. else that, oh, oh, looking back, well, I used to be able to do this or I could do this. Not... And it's actually the half the battle is having to be nice to your own self because yeah. it's so insidious. It gets 
inside your veins almost that it really does do everything you know you can have a good day you can have a good week and then all of a sudden it wants to creep in and go no you're not allowed anything a guilt can creep in when you yeah good about yeah. something no and yeah it's this and that's why i want to speak about it because i want to help someone that felt like me six years ago because this i do know there's people suffering in silence and it's it's podcasts like this, it's it's Twitter, it's that's the positive side of these things and this platform, even though I'm extremely nervous talking about it each time. <laughs> I know that it's a, still a step for me and hopefully it helps somebody else, you know? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. You know, and that's that's how we change the culture. That's how we change the the stigma and change the viewpoint. Is if we do talk about it, um, you know, and it, it is a very brave, you know, courageous thing to do. Being able to uh, say, "Hey, this is happening to me," you know, mm. and I know, I know the more you see it out there, the more people come forward and chime in on their story, you know, and that's. Again, that's that's one of the reasons we do the podcast is to yeah. raise the awareness. Yeah, give people a a platform to tell their story. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know, to the world. It doesn't mean it's just to that one person. Share it with with somebody. But then it's also about I want people to look closer. I do that mm-hmm. a lot as well. Just when someone says they're fine, don't look at the words. Look at them. Look at their yeah. eyes. Are they looking? You, the person that you want, you know, if you're constantly saying, oh, that person's changed, haven't they? That person doesn't come out anymore. That person's not being social anymore. Don't forget them. Because sometimes we yeah. can put a lot of pressure on the person with the mental health issue themselves. Reach out. Tell people. Tell people if you're struggling. Ring this number. Tell this person. Whereas actually when you're in the depths of despair, you don't believe there's anybody out there. But if someone right. can reach right. to you, you know, if you've got that one person that thinks, hold on, I haven't seen, heard from Rebecca for ages. Hold on, I haven't heard from Joe for ages. I haven't heard from Haley for ages. That one text could save a life. So I, I just want people to not be scared of people with mental health issues. You know, just I found that lots of people don't know really, you can feel people don't know what to say to you so much anymore. you can feel that eggshell around you which is why I think that what people don't realise even though we've got a mental health issue that we actually have a really decent sense of humour we have to be able to also take that route with it to help someone maybe not feel so scared to talk about how we're feeling that day do we feel like we are carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, you know. People really right. don't want to talk about suicide. But if we don't talk about it, then we suffer in silence and we lose people that we adore and we love. And it has that knock-on effect uh, and grief throughout society, you know. And then I just, yeah, so I think I want this, to speak about it is wonderful, but for the friends and family to, to look, to see, to hear, and and try and not judge when that person, just because you think that person should be okay because they've got money, because they've got a home, because they've got a job. There's also other things you don't know of what can actually cause these things. And just reach out. If they're not reaching out to you, reach out to them. Let's all try that every single day. Someone you haven't spoke to for ages, reach out. You can't speak, send a text, a tweet, anything, because it Mm -hmm. really does. Social media, I can honestly say at certain times, the the community on there, you know, the hashtag keep talking mental health, it saved me from a very dark place those strangers, you know, from across the pond. We don't know one mm-hmm. another. Yet we have private message, yet we have tweeted to send support when we both know that we've been struggling. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I, it, I think we need more of a 
the world out there like that. Because we can talk about it as much as we want, but we need the people to reach out and think, okay, we will. We won't just leave these people alone to suffer. Anyway, yeah, that's a, I'm so that's sorry. A, <laughs> no, no, it, uh, please. We, we, uh, we like to say we prefer that to the monosyllabic, uh, yeah, <laughs> no. So, no, yeah, no, that's... Interrupt me at any point if I do go on. <laughs> No, it's no problem. But you know, we're we're in complete agreement. Uh, you know, agreement is that a word? Agreement. Agreement. Um, <laughs> ruining the Queen's English. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, being able to reach out to people, you know, if they're if they're visibly going through something, you can see it. You see it in a person's face, or if you haven't talked with them in a while, or you know, we, you know. The thing you always see on TV and in the media is, you know, if you're struggling, you know, call this number to reach out or text this crisis text line to yeah. reach out. Or, sometimes you can't. And sometimes you can't. You're just in so low of a place you don't feel like you're worthy nope. of that help. Nope. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's up to us as friends and loved ones to be not only self-aware, but aware of those around us and reach out to them and, and say, hey, are you okay? You know, sometimes it's all it takes. You know, uh, and then the other thing, too, I wanted to comment on this is, you know, by all of us talking about it and bringing it more to the forefront, we're not only showing our compatriots that they are, you know, not alone, but we're also educating those that aren't afflicted and telling them, you know, we're we're still the same people. Mm. We're just struggling with whatever it is we're struggling with. You know, yeah. uh, don't be don't be afraid of us. We love you, and we want to be a part of mm-hmm. your life, and we want you to be a part of ours. Yeah, and we we need you more now than ever. Yep. You don't want to be around us because. We're not fun necessarily to be around at certain parts of the day. We need you. That's what you want to say now more than ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, go what, ahead. Do you, what? I was just going to ask another question. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say we should ask this one instead of that one because we sort of covered that one. Okay. Okay. So you you go ahead and ask that question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do. I got your back. You know that. So uh, the next question would be, uh, talk to us a little bit about your book, Teacher's Pet. Okay, uh, well, that came about because um, I went to a a counselor um, because of my depression, and he was trying to find out things from my past. Was it my parents? Was it something this? And I said, no, nothing really. I said, well, honestly, I, the only thing I think of, I wasn't in a relationship with my drama teacher when I was 12, and he just put his pad down and looked up, and that was the moment that my life changed, because before then, I had seen it as a relationship, and um, through that counselling and through the journey of telling my parents, telling the police, going through the court system here in the UK... Um, my uh, abuser eventually admitted his guilt and went to jail for a few months over here. I was being spoken about in the national newspapers, but I was um, an anonymous victim. And I was hurting at reading these media reports about me, and I didn't want to be an anonymous victim anymore. And so I waived my right to anonymity and I said, you want to speak about this victim because I was being trolled and not very nice things were being said about me. And I said, mm-hmm. you want to say them, you say them and here's my name and, and here's who I am. And so I did a few interviews over here and I was lucky enough to be um, approached by um, some publishers and I got involved with a ghostwriter and we sat down and we 
whole few months, <laughs> became embroiled in the world of, no, I had to go back to school and relive the memories and, yeah, and then that's how Teacher's Pets came about and it's basically more, it's a, it's a memoir, it's, hmm. it's Hayley McGregor from that 12-year-old girl to the adult and the journey that I've, that I've gone through in self-discovery of at 12 to 15 years old, feeling on top of the world because my teacher, you know, took me under his wing and, and loved me and wanted to marry me and was going to leave his wife for me. And then the journey through failed relationships, untrustworthy relationships, mental health issues, and then finding that the education that I've been uh, groomed and therefore with me educating myself about that i've been able to once <laughs> i got my head around it because after that unfortunately 20 years of my life felt like a lie so i've had to really retrain my brain um over the past 20 years pandora's box was opened and i had to slowly but surely piece them all back and put them in the right places and this book was part and parcel of that process. It really is, it's sort of a personal, it's more of um, it's partly a, like a diary, if you will, of each year of my life, of the journey and, and what happened. And, you know, from people that have, have read the book, they've said that it's, it's, not an, it's not an easy read, but I think we don't talk very often in child sex abuse or sexual expectation cases about um, teachers or football coaches or people that are put into trustworthy. We talk a lot about it being strangers. We talk a lot about it being certain types of gangs or certain types of people. And this, I think I want... I have spent my adult life with feeling that my relationship with my teacher was normal because the people that you talk about it with, I don't know about yourselves, but a lot of people I've asked over the years know or know somebody, a friend of a friend or somebody who's been involved with a teacher or they've thought that, oh, they might be involved or they've thought that that teacher's a little bit inappropriate or they thought that behavior isn't very good. And actually, it's, it's, it's still quite a taboo subject, even when it comes to the CSA movement, is talking about teacher-pupil relationships and how they seem to be accepted, even though that teacher is in, no matter how young or cool that teacher may be, they are still in a position of trust. Yeah. And you know, the the um this book also I've really wanted to if any young girls were reading it to completely outline the very, very what I now see as his of my abuser's obvious grooming techniques. Back then I was not educated and I did not know enough. So I hope that there can be young girls that read this book and see that that behaviour isn't nice, romantic, or kind. It's wrong and manipulative, and it's going to, you know, possibly damage you um, for a significant part of your adult life. Yeah. If someone can, can understand it now, then it might help for their their future. Because I wouldn't wish, I wouldn't wish this on on anybody find when you've got to reevaluate your whole life because of a a dirty little secret you, you can feel like there's no way out yourself you feel so ashamed of your own self whereas actually the person that should be ashamed is the person and the perpetrator right but right very much goes on the victim well, the survivor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that was incredibly brave of you too, to, uh, put down your anonymity on the situation and say, yeah, bring it, you know, this is me and this happened to me, you know, and that, I knew how to own it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's incredibly inspirational, you know, that you had the courage to do that. A lot of people wouldn't have. And, you know, it's like you said it, you know, you were getting trolled a lot and, and you're being attacked and everything. And, it's a lot harder to do that when you're doing it to somebody's face in, you yeah. know, versus, you know, hiding behind the keyboard. Right. So, um, just incredibly brave of you to do and, uh, kudos to you as, as y'all say over there, well done you. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, thank you. Um, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. We want to keep talking about this, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, and uh, listen to some some smooth jazz. No, I'm kidding. Um, we're going to listen to Into the Unknown by Preston Wiggins. And we'll be right back. We will be right back. Okay.
Back to Voices for Change 2.0. I'm Joe. She's Rebecca. She's so stinking cute. Look at her. Just uh-huh. look at her. She's a cutie. And on the line, we have the lovely, wonderful, and talented Ms. Yeah. Haley McGregor from over across the pond. Yep. Oh, hi. What a, hi. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's, me, that's me at my radio yet. I know you've made me blush. <laughs> I, I do that. I uh, you should see me with some of my male friends. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that, and I'm I, just saying just stop. I don't know where I'm going stop with that right either. Now. <laughs> so, I'm quite just, I'm, Carry on, now. I'm in a good mood. So <laughs> That's good. Put that there. So, all right. So we were talking about. Your book, Teacher's Pet. Yeah. And about, you know, you mentioned grooming. Um, so I was hoping you could uh, talk to us a little bit about raising awareness of some of these grooming techniques that abusers use. Okay, yeah, of course. Well, for, I'm sure it's different for lots of people. For me personally, it was, um, it was kindness. It was taking all my insecurities of a a young teenage girl. I had insecurities with my skin, with my weight, with the boys' fancy me, you know, all those, the same hormones running everywhere. And basically, groomers, from what I'm learning, is they will compliment you and they try and do everything they can to get you on your own at any given situation. So if it's your teacher with me, you will become, that's why the book is called Teacher's Pet, you will feel like a teacher's pet. Everything will be about you in front of people from a teacher's perspective, how great your work is, how great this is, how great that is. From a private perspective, they'll probably be getting you to do errands for them. They'll probably be trusting you um, to making you feel more adult. Groomers have this wonderful ability because you can feel when you're young, all you want to do is become older because you're not allowed to do anything. Mm -hmm. So when you've got an adult who is loved by everybody giving you this attention, you start to pull away from those people and only want to be around that one person. They get this control and slowly but surely it's like they're putting strings on you so they can become your puppeteer. So if you're noticing an adult, which as 12 to 13, 14, 15 year old girls, we we go through a stage where we feel like all boys are immature. Girls like to I'm sure, you know, in your high school and college, it's all about being with the older guy. You want, I don't know, that they can take you out in their car, that that you just feel boys are immature. So you've got this adult who is willing to buy things for you, treat you, tell you that your parents are being silly, tell you that you can do this, tell you that you're beautiful, tell them that the other boy is silly. And then eventually that, you know, secretly we are boyfriend and girlfriend. Secretly this can happen. Those are the grooming techniques, the kindness, the making you feel like the only person that's word that means anything is theirs. So whatever they say, you will go along with and you slowly but surely find yourself almost following them around like a lost puppy Hmm. and that can if no one else if if friends aren't spotting it from around you then about when if it's being done to you because I think even if we're honest it can be done to us in adult life as well we can we talk about people in abusive relationships you know if, if someone's got a narcissistic personality um they can 
make you feel really good about yourself, but also like you are very alone if you're not with them and and them alone. And they mm-hmm. gain this control where they make you they they make you feel like if anything was to come out, it's going to be your fault. You know, if your parents find out about this, you know, it, it oh, it's my job on the line. It's mine. You know, you you will be in just as much trouble as me. You know, and over time, they'll start to say certain things maybe about your family, about your friends, that they're not very nice or they're not very good for you. And it's this inkling just getting you slowly but surely to feel that they're the only person that you can talk to. And then you just, you know, young girls, they, they young boys, they, they fall in love. And mm-hmm. once they fall in love and that adult says that they love them and they want to be with them, then you're, you're hooked and you will do anything and you become um, a very manipulative and good liar because, unfortunately, unbeknown to you, you have been lied to constantly, so you've learned to become a great liar yourself. Yeah. And I think it's, unfortunately, grooming is, not black and white it's not just about um giving a a child alcohol and getting or giving them drugs and getting them drunk and then doing things with them like that it can be a slow manipulation that can take my groomer worked for a year before the first kiss so it took a whole year of that that school year of making me his teacher's pet, making me his his everything, and then getting me to be the lead role in the play, getting me to be one alone um, on a one one rehearsal, getting me to be the one alone going helping with costume in the back office, you know. So those little things were able to happen, and generally as well for everybody else. If it's not happening to you, just look around because they will be an extremely popular person. It always happens. Everyone thinks that they, you know, that the, the paedophiles and abusers that they go around in these cloaks and they hide in corners and they're dark and they're nasty and they're mean. No, they're not. They're right in front of your face. And they're yeah. probably generally the most charming and wonderful. And they, for so many people, when I spoke about what I went through, it was, oh my goodness, half were, oh, we knew it, he was always too touchy-feely, half of it was, no, 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 can't have been, he's too nice, he was a great teacher, he was a great man, and you find that when they come out, you get a lot of people, you know, when you can get people being accused with the hashtag Me Too movement, you can get a lot of people saying yes, 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 and then the other half of the people, because they're blinkered to it and they've seen this wonderful person their whole life, or seemingly they think so, they say, no, 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 they couldn't have done that ever. So it's mm-hmm. just about yeah. really looking into society and looking past what you think you see, looking past what you think you know. And again, you know, listening to shows like this, reading about it, reading other people's stories. And because for me, it's very, the grooming was very specific because he groomed my family as well. He got in mm. with my family. He, my dad, um, my family are Leeds United supporters with, um, I'll say it properly for you, with our soccer over here. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, so we're, we're Leeds United fans. And okay. so, so was my abuser. And so my abuser got in through that and then got in with other friends and friends of family and then introduced his wife to our family. They will become, they become an integral part of your life. And like I say, it's not just children that can be groomed. Adults are susceptible to it as well. So it's just... Listen. It's insidious. It is insidious, and I don't want everyone to all of a sudden start to go out into society and think everybody's horrible, because we don't want to feel unsafe in this world. We really don't. 
But I yeah. just want people to just look a little bit closer. Just because somebody, you think somebody is in a trustworthy position, just because you think somebody is doing right by your child, your daughter, your son, your mum, your parent, your grandparent, you know? Mm-hmm. Help. Look, look closer and, and be there because, like you say, it's insidious. And once they get you, they've got you for a lot of years. A lot of years my abuser controlled my every thought, even though he was living miles away by that point and I was traveling Europe with my job and you know I was working on cruise ships I was I was mm-hmm. seemingly happy but actually he was controlling my mind through how I thought I should act and also when an adult has you know been extremely inappropriate with a child that child can think that that behavior stands with all adults and it doesn't so you get yourself into dangerous situations as you get older because you've been used for that person's sexual gratification at too young an age yeah yeah so you know you just they will they will control your future relationships. I didn't realize why I didn't trust men. I didn't realize why I was getting involved with very similar men to the person that abused me because it was all I knew. It was all I thought I knew. It was all I thought I was worth. And I would put up with things that now wouldn't even, I wouldn't even get past the first date, you know? So again, I've had to really, and I'm very lucky that I've had a partner during all of this. He was my best friend who turned into the love of my life, you know. So now I've been with that partner for six years and I've learned that how a different relationship can work. But it's been blooming hard work. And if I can save anyone from having to go through that and thinking, you know, an innocent crush on your teacher should not turn in to anything everyone should be able to have an innocent crush on their teacher without that teacher or any adult taking advantage of them. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that kind of smacks of, as we were talking about British bands earlier, smacks of Don't Stand So Close to Me from the police. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe you just mentioned that song, Joe. That is literally, that was the song that my abuser used towards me. Really? He introduced me. My parents um, liked Sting, but he introduced me to the police through that song. And he gave me that song on tape so I could listen to it. And the more, if you listen to that song, you can hear the teacher blaming the student. Yeah. They're telling the student, don't stand so close to me. Don't do this. Don't do that. So actually, subliminally, that song, even though I do love it, I could sit, you know what I mean? It's a wonderful <laughs> song. I love the police and I love uh, Sting's voice. But yeah. I loved that song for years. And now it's it's taken on that. Again, like, you know, he used to wear the aftershave Eternity. I can't smell that without feeling sick now. Whereas it used yeah. to be one of my favorite smells. So, you know, hearing that so... That's so weird that you just mentioned that exact song because, again, that is mentioned in my book. Don't stand so close to me because it very much, it resonated with me and made me believe that, yeah, it was my fault. It was normal. Do you know what I mean? A band was singing Mm. about it. Yeah. Of course it's normal. Yeah. And it's just, it's not. It's, you know, they were really good at writing stuff that, uh, you know, was creepy. You know, yeah. I mean, every breath, every breath you take is about a stalker. You know, it's, it's, you know, people think, oh, it's great music. And it is great music. You know, I, I love the police. They're a musical influence on me. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, some of the subject matter in their songs, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, you kind of go, whoa, you know. Hmm. So, um, 
What advice do you have for anyone who wants or needs to come forward with their story? First of all, be ready and don't do it without having somebody to support you. Tell a friend, tell a counsellor, tell somebody you trust implicitly first, even if it is a stranger, even if it's ringing the Samaritans. And then (laughs) my only advice is believe in yourself. Believe that this did happen to you. If anything that I'm saying is resonating with anybody, this is not your fault. And your abuser has done wrong. And to tell your truth and release your burden. You don't, I went to the police. Now, in hindsight, I probably went a bit too soon. I only allowed myself about a month of getting my head around the fact that I'd been abused before I reported my abuser. Mm. Now, I, re- I reported my abuser because he was still working in schools and he was a Thai teacher, and I was informed that he'd worked in 14 schools in 10 years. So I started to think, well, I can't be the only one. Yeah. I'm going to have to protect <clears throat> your people as well. Um, going to the police, it, <clears throat> it might not be right for that individual, but definitely go to a, a counsellor if you want. I mean, I get a lot of people after they've read my book, they private message me anyone's more than willing to private message me through any of my social media for my advice for my story but I know it's extremely personal because going to the police is it can be a painful uh, long process of taking statements um, you know from the moment that I accused my abuser it was two years before he was in court you know mm. you might not get that you so deserve obviously some people their abusers might have passed away by now um, all I would want anybody to do whether you think it's been historical whether it's happening to you now if you can't say the word out loud get a book with a lock on it or a diary and write it down in there if you need to keep it safe and you need to keep it your secret I used to write a lot of poetry and it was reading back the poetry that helped me eventually tell my parents. You know, it was reading back the poetry that made me realise how I felt and gave me strength when I was telling people because they're not easy words to say. It's not an easy yeah. thing to admit myself. Um, you know, because I do know stories of what, as well of schoolgirls that have a completely different view to me. They think that their teacher is still in love with them. They're still waiting for their teacher maybe to come out of prison so they can run away with them. So, again, mm-hmm. it's about maybe writing it down, educating yourself, um, reading about it, looking for other stories, chatting to other advocates, um, educating yourself. I don't want to put the pressure up for anybody to speak out if it's not the right thing for them to do. But if you can, then please do. Because as much as I'm still fighting this journey every single day, the fact that I told my secret kept me alive. Because there yeah. was a point where I was taking this to my grave. And that's not worth it. It's not worth it for, for anybody yeah. out there to keep something that to themselves that might possibly kill them. So yep. you can not to mention it, you know, like you mentioned that, you know, he's he was still working in schools. Mm-hmm. You almost feel a duty to protect anybody else that he might be abusing. Yes, when I first um spoke to the police it wasn't about protecting myself. <clears throat> it was about protecting other people and then unfortunately through the process, I've had to do more and more protection and more and more protection of myself because I've realised that's what I mean. I, I probably went, did it for the wrong reasons at first because I, I didn't have enough support or knowledge 
or a handle on my illness as much as I could have done because then once Pandora's box is open then the night terrors start, the insomnia starts, the anxiety of not leaving the house even a you know, it mm-hmm. it, it become a, everything can become a catastrophe. You know? Yeah. So Yeah. Um well, I hate to I hate to say this, Haley, but our our time is winding down, which really sucks okay. because this has been a great conversation. Um, Could you possibly briefly tell us what your plans are for this year? Oh my goodness! Briefly, um, to get back out there, um, I'm hopefully doing some speaking events in July at some um, mental health blog awards. I'm trying to get my own website. Um, set up and hopefully get out there to be a speaker and uh, advocate myself. I've got my own theatre company with my partner, Leroy, that we're trying to get off the ground uh, to help young people with mental health issues um, experience uh, the safety of theatre. So we'll do it through acting techniques and use theatre techniques to educate on mental health issues. And um, I'll say it loud enough so my partner can hear, but I really want to get married and have a baby. No. <laughs> so um, that's really, uh, whether that happens this year or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> well, we're pulling for that, especially yeah. uh, on top of everything else. Um, Thanks. So hang on, hang on the line. Uh, okay. Really, really quick before we have you sign off just give us your uh social media links for anybody that might be looking to find you okay um well twitter i'm at Haley mcgregor one and um if you would like to find my instagram and my facebook pages then it's best to just I'm not very good on them uh, it's better just go to Twitter and my links are on there I've got um, a, a teacher's pet Facebook page you can message me on there at any time um, and Instagram I'm not great on but Twitter really is the platform that I use the most and it, it's at Haley McGregor one and contact me at any point that you want with any questions okay sounds awesome. good well, stay on the line. Uh, we're going to finish out the show with the song Back to Life by Michael Mott. See and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye.